0: Is get that India,
1: big
2: boy. Call an ambulance. Maybe a what a shot! What a shot! Campbell killer! Hello and welcome to another edition of the tip sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. As always, joining me is my best mate 60s but we got another best mate this week 60s we've got ham jumping onto the tip sheet to talk some junior footy and i'm looking forward to this one
1: yeah um if i can bring one tenth of the knowledge of some of your guests well then i think i'm doing pretty well so
2: that that is a pretty Let's good go. metric we've had some great guests on the tip sheet so one tenth of uh the likes of bernie gurr and joey grimer and, and all the other superstars i've had on here is a pretty good uh resource of footy knowledge i'd say 60s and, how are you doing, and, mate?
0: and if i could just jump in there um just to officially welcome him with an Oshay Ole. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that that is the the you know it's like when you go to uh, you know Hawaii and you get your little floral reef and you know they they give you the greeting. Now you go talking NRL, you got to say Oshay Olay to someone, you know. So
1: is that sort of like the uh, the stone cutters or something? That's the the greeting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is it? Like the um... Ancient
2: Society of uh, Rugby League? Yes, Oshay Olay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I reckon you, if you come up with a special. Handshake yeah. like a press of the thumb on the third knuckle, yeah, and a, a, and a quiet little Oshayolo. <laughs> then you might be, uh, that, that's that's the new territory, I think, for the NRL secret society.
2: And we do have, um, PVO the thing, for what will be one of certainly the all time NRL memes. I think Oshayole is not going to die out anytime soon.
1: <laughs> I think it might be, um, if you're a manly supporter, you could probably there's a, a football chant, ole ole ole. You yeah, might be it,
2: able to just, just something, it, do something into that. Embrace it, exactly. <laughs> uh, just run with it. All right, boys, uh, Sixties and myself closed the book on the 2021 season just this week with a mammoth podcast in which we covered all six grades at the club and who stood out and how those individual campaigns for the teams went. It's now time to turn our eyes to season 2022, and uh, we've just had a number of junior rep, uh, junior rep squads and development squads announced. So who better to walk us through everything about the uh, junior scene and the junior systems than our resident expert, Joey Grimer. Joey, it is a pleasure to have you back on board, mate. How are you doing today?
3: Yeah, g'day, man. It's great to be back, actually. It seems such a long time since we had our last chat and so much has happened in that period of time. So it's really nice to touch base and and, um, uh, let let your listeners know uh, what's going on, particularly in our development and junior rep programs.
0: Well, mate, we've got no shortage of questions, so uh, why not just we'll start firing them off at you right now? Um, and I'll kick it off, mate. We've got the Eels that have just have just released their train-on lists for the three junior rep teams. There's quite a few players who have obviously played a year young too that because they were in similar teams last year. Do you expect those players that are returning to the same teams to bring that benefit of that experience to
3: their respective teams this year? Yeah, I think the short answer is is absolutely yes. Um, I think that the, the, the level of detail that um, they would have learnt last year, uh, along with the experience of being a year young in that environment against um, um, better or elite, more elite players at a higher maturity level, it, it just ensures that that level of understanding with the level of what they learnt last year will go a long way towards making them a better person off the field of what's required by them, but more so a better player on the field. Um, Just through sheer experience and being around a more elite uh, group of uh, young men or young women.
0: And I must say that when I was having a look at that list, there was a couple of names that I didn't realise they were that young and playing an age up. So credit to them for their performances last year.
3: Yeah, and also credit to their junior league coaches and the uh, junior rep staff we have. Part of our planning moving forward is that when we take a squad, we'd like to have uh, um, some younger players, one, because they are capable of of playing an age up, and two, it just really confirms and re-ensures that those, uh, a smaller group of younger players um, will have the leadership qualities or the leadership that the club and the staff are looking for um, the next year
0: Absolutely So now these are what's called train-on squads So what process will you be going through to trim the numbers?
3: Yeah, with our um, we have two categories, we have the uh, elite programs and our um, the ones we we, we we mainly have the high profile for the, the jersey fled um, our Tasha Gale 19s our SG Ball 19s and our Harold Matthews uh, 17s. Under that, we have a plethora of um, development or academy programs. Just this year, we've introduced an under-16s female and an under-18s female program. Um, With that, we've got our um, under-16s development or, or academy squad, and then we've got two age groups under the 16s, which we've just um, um, expanded, creating a north and south. We have two squads at under-15s, uh, categorised as north and south, and a 14s group with uh, a north and south combination as well. So we've got um, 11 programs from our Jersey flag under-20s, uh, 21s, excuse me, right down to our under-14s. So uh, 11 programs. 87 staff and nearly 300 players that fit into that academy development and, and elite programs pathways.
0: Right. So those, the numbers that you've got there for the, um, the ball, the, the gale, the, the mats, um, they'll be trimmed a little bit. Then would those players be
3: going into the development squads if they're not required for the elite program? Only if they're of the same age, 60s now, um, we would take a squad the the way that it generally works, and it's not too different with um, other NRL-aligned junior development clubs or programs. We would take a squad, and it would vary uh, from club to club between 35 and 40, and ideally we can only register 25 players. So we would commence training uh, mid-November and uh, undertake a level of um, you know, um, requirements that these players need to achieve, both male and female, depending on their, their, their maturity and their age. And we would have um, trained them up until the 19th of December, which we've been able to um, um, secure a trial game against the Canberra Raiders in Goulburn. And that would give us a snapshot of that five- or six-week period of the time they commence training to the trial game. And that should give us a really good indication of where that player at, uh, is at at that stage. Then we would return after a, a two week period and we would uh, train for a couple of weeks and then go into our regular trial matrix against the Bulldogs into Penrith, week off, and then round one. So the, the way that the, 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 the best way to explain it is that um, everyone will get two trials. Um, to, you know, show us what they have. So they'll all participate in the Canberra Raiders trial. They'll participate in the Bulldogs trial. And then the coaches, along with the executive staff at Parramatta, would um, minimise the squad. And they may go from 35 to 30 and take in 30 players for that Penrith and make that the last scenario where players could put their claims forward of being part of that 25-person squad.
0: Right. Cheers. Now I'm not going to dominate the questions. We have got Ham's <laughs> got a, uh, some questions he'd like to throw your way. Now, uh,
3: good day, Joey. How you are you? Good, mate. Great to have you on. And um, yeah, you're going to be a, a great a great value add to this uh, podcast.
1: Uh, I, I only hope. I only hope. Um, so I was just wondering, how does the club determine um, for a best for a player which grade to play for in their development? Uh, for instance, we saw this year. Um, Jake Arthur, Sean Russell, a couple of other boys, um, they were still eligible for SG ball, but we saw them play Jersey Flag, um, New South Wales Cup in first grade. There, um, how did you know they were ready for that senior football, despite being um, still eligible for SG ball?
3: I think it's a combination of things, and it's it's where it's a number of uh, stakeholders within the football department, mainly driven by recruitment by Ben Rogers, um, Isaac Degoyas, and Grant Jones. They have an identification process of uh, where a player's at, and uh, in conjunction with that that, that assessment, along with um, uh, the ongoing discussions with their strength and conditioning coaches to see where they you know they may be uh, falling short or if they're up to the level of of the uh, full-time training um, that would be then the decision on whether they are offered the opportunity around july august the previous year if they're ready to go to that next level there's a lot of other uh, complexities which go into it and it's it's not only that, but the level of uh, school—if they are still attending school—because there's an obligation for those players to ensure that they are, um, are participating in their school uh, commitments. And a, a really good indication of this is you, you spoke about those three or four young men um, that are now in the full-time squad. They were all playing at a high level and at the back end of the um, schoolboy competitions. And you had Will Pennisi that attended the King School and the Rugby Union program. So there are other indicators or other factors that we would need to consider to ensure that they're not burnt and then they can go up in November and um, give their best um, opportunity moving forward. So it's a, it's a, it, it, it's a really um, tangible way where the different departments in at, at Parramatta discuss quite regularly on a weekly or, or twice a week uh, to ensure that uh, what is being identified um, and to ensure that they are ready, there are various boxes that need to be tipped. Um, and equally, where I sit, I obviously um, uh, provide the, the football um, information. They're savvy, they're smart, uh, they're able, they're, their ability to, to recognise if they can um, um, complete the non-negotiables, our defensive systems, our offensive systems, systems, our coaching philosophies. So it's an all-team approach um, trying to get these players ready. So when Ben Rogers, Isaac DeGoy's Grant Jones has a chat with uh, Brad Arthur and his staff, um, they can say, well, these are the reasons why I think this person is ready. So um, we would put our case forward. Ultimately, it would sit with uh, Brad and um, um, Ben Rogers.
1: Yeah, because I imagine it would be pretty difficult. Sort of, there's no real to it. It's just sort of, as you said, you've got to take each case by case and go from there. So, yeah. And
3: it's um, really, during the COVID part as well, and it's not just for our club, for all clubs, uh, because there's no real, and I mean this with respect for the non-effect cup and uh, under 21s, so our jersey flag, there's been real no continuity in our second and third tier competitions. So it's added a level of complexity to fast-tracking or identifying these players to get there. I don't know. The the, the irony of of this year and last year, and I imagine it would have something to do with COVID, but the amount of young men, and we're talking about 18 and 19-year-old, debuting this year, would have been twofold in any other year in comparison. So, you know, the amount of young men that came from SG Ball this year to debut or at that age group to debut was incredible. And I've got no doubt it's got to do with the COVID and, and the way that the salary cap is devised now. Um, but it's, it, yeah, as you said, Eddie, it's not a real science. Uh, it's just a good collaboration of different different parts of the club coming together and trying to demonstrate why a person is ready and possibly why he may not be ready.
1: Uh, Very good. I'm glad you brought COVID. It segues into my next question here. Um, So for the non-local players in the squads, um, how will the COVID protocols affect them with their training and potential selection in the squads?
3: Yeah, that's still to be unknown at the moment. We we were given some um, um, encouraging information about uh, sports going back uh, sooner than what we originally thought. Um, We just don't know what capacity that will go back Um, Similarly, last year, when we reintroduced or uh, returned back to training, we were only uh, allowed um, to train with uh, smaller groups. We weren't allowed to do any collision or contact. We had to have various um, plans about not uh, cross-contaminating from someone going from the gym to the field. So we're lucky in a sense that we've had that history before so i would imagine the worst case scenario we would just simply cut and paste that um but it's certainly a, a challenge that not only our coaches have but more so our training staff um smaller numbers um uh, and with limited resources doesn't complicate um a various training Uh, programs and can exacerbate it by extending it out because instead of having 40 people at the one venue you might have to have you know 10 at a particular time and so forth it has to be staggered so I really don't know the answer to that question until we get some more uh, guidance or further information back from um, obviously the, the NRL, New South Wales Rugby League and more importantly our state government.
1: Thank you for that. And um, so when you are choosing the squads and from the train on going into uh, the finalised squad, are you looking to hit a certain amount of players in a position, say, just for an example, six middle forwards, six props and all that, or are you looking more at the players in front of you? So say if you do have um, more talented backs than the forwards, do you do you accommodate that talent in the squad or do you limit to, it to positional requirements and how many you think that should fit in that um, position there.
3: More, we more so um, have a, a, a bit of an understanding of the squad of forty, and we need to maintain and uh, ensure that we don't have, you know, a, a, a squad heavily based, excuse a pun, um, with forwards, and we don't have too many outside backs. Uh, we need to have a good cross-section of players, and that's been devised from the selection process and part of the way we um, um, select our players is a, a number of various touch points. Um, we would obviously, uh, Isaac de Goyes has a number of staff that would go out um, uh, uh, regularly and identify various teams and games and come back with a, um, a report uh, and that information is uploaded onto a, a particular program that we have at Parramatta. Um, on top of that, we do have uh, the engagement of the community coaches. They're coaches that see them more than what we would. Uh, they're coaches that uh, are involved with them two days a week plus game day. And we would invite their, com- uh, their communication. Um, we would get them into the footy office and identify who is your best players. And then if we've got five or six coaches in there and they all identify the best player as their fullback or halfback, we have to be careful because we can't take them. Then we would maybe need to uh, narrow it down. Well, out of these six or seven halfbacks, who's the best in order? And that's how we would do it. So there is a bit of a um, a matrix as to what numbers as to positions we need. Uh, And that that obviously accommodates us or the coach or the selectors or the club. uh, When the 25 is selected we have a similar approach. So we've got um, consistent numbers uh, from the start to allow us the flexibility of having the the numbers required in their positions for that squad of 25.
0: Right. I just wanted to jump back in here, Joey, with a a question about that transition from development squads into the uh, major, uh, uh, the elite teams this year. Um, are you happy with the transition that's happened from this year's development programs, or was it too
3: disrupted by COVID? Absolutely. It's probably the, the latter rather than the former 60s. Um, unfortunately, uh, we like to um, input a lot of energy into our 16s because you, they're going to be our Harold Matthews players. And because the age has increased two year ago, where the Harold Matthews was 16, now it's 17. One year after that, man, they're potentially playing first grade, and we've seen it many, many a time. So one year out of Harold Matthews, um, they're playing first grade. So that under-16s academy development squad is incredibly important. Last year, we had a 14-session planned with three games, so we wanted to plan a program like a mini Harold Matthews Cup we couldn't go for the period of three and a half months from November to May, or uh, you know, excuse me, March or April. Um, but we wanted to provide an environment where they feel a little bit of uh, a little bit of elitism. However, it was to prepare them for the next step. And unfortunately, we didn't have one trial game last year, and our training was cut down to three sessions. So their development or their understanding of what's required next year in 2000 or sorry the following year 2023 when they are eligible for harold matthews it's not going to be as what it was with the players that would have had that um development squad under 16s um program under their belt yeah it's it it is actually a bit of a conundrum isn't
0: it that you've got um that change in the ages which Then means that you can have players that'll skip some of the pathways if they're identified as an immediate NRL talent, and then at the same time you've got to be you've got to judge who's going to benefit from spending longer in the pathways uh, on their way to being an NRL player.
3: And that's probably been um, the the greatest disadvantage over the past, you know, twelve months, twenty four months, sixties, and even to the point where I know there's a lot of. Um, you know, commentators out there that are saying that the the second tier and the third tier competition, um, we won't know the, the the effects of COVID for another few years and, and what that could uh, mean for our game. It also means that from underneath our Elite Pathways programs, particularly our Harold Matthews Cup. But I guess there's one thing that um, it's not a disadvantage, um, 60s, is that <laughs> Every NRL club or every team is in the same boat. So there's no yep. real advantage and disadvantage. I guess what clubs need to think about now is how they, in their own sort of situation, are best able to combat the last two years to ensure that those players are ready to go.
2: Yep. That little tidbit that you just mentioned, joe the fact that at some point there is going to be a young man that is going to go from Harold Matthews to the NRL, is a little bit mind blowing. Like you just you don't consider that because you're so used to that whole junior reps process, and they always play SG ball, and then maybe they'll go to the NRL. But the way things are set up now is that you could legitimately have at some point in the near future a, a young man go from under seventeen straight into a first grade preseason into NRL.
3: Well, you can take a, a couple of people. Uh, you look at young Sam Walker. He's he's 18, right? Um, potentially, he could have played Harold Matthews for the Roosters last year, and played majority of every game into a semi-final campaign. So it's boggling. It's really mind-boggling. And and the way that the cap is also um, streamlined now, it's never been more important to encourage local players to play with their NRL club. Um, that's shown that it does save money in the cap. A player that's happy at their club... And uh, yeah. content at their club, and already understands the idiosyncrasies and the, the the structure of the club and the the culture of the club. Um, it's going to sh- it's it, it saves a lot of um, um, time and, and money. The players less likely to go to another district for an extra twenty or thirty thousand a season if that player is content and happy at the club. And what it does, it ensures that when they do get to that next level, that the coaches aren't Having to educate them or re-educate them on on the Parramatta way because they've learnt that in their um, academy or development or elite pathways uh, programs.
2: Now, Joey, we know that rugby league as a game and play development, it's a process, it's a cycle. Uh, There's a you know it sort of goes as a beginning and end. You're trying to complete that circle. And and the fellas have asked you some great questions about the beginnings. Of that process, So I'm going to switch things up and look at towards the other end of it with uh, some of the stuff we saw at 2021 and some of the, the teams and players that are, you know, at the zenith of their player development and, you know, and their ascent towards NRL players. I'm going to start with our New South Wales Cup team where in 2021, we had a, an outstanding, a young and hungry team that they completely surpassed all our expectations and they ended up finishing the season second on the ladder when the competition was cut short. And obviously they would have been frustrated by missing out on making that big run for the finals due to lockdown. What sort of messaging do you give that team moving forward into the season 2022? Is it about encouraging them? Is it about challenging them even further? Or is it even something neutral? Just, you know, keep on keeping on as a coach. How do you go about that with a young team?
3: I can certainly talk about our club and our club only. I can, uh, the, the proof is in the pudding. The opportunities that Brad Arthur gave some of those players that uh, wouldn't have, Um, thought that they would play NRL this year, Um, there would have been about 50% of the uh, knock-on effect cups, maybe even more. Um, So that would give them a level of confidence that uh, what they're doing, the processes they're doing, the way they prepare and the way they play is exactly what Coach Arthur is looking for. And as we know from previous years with um, um, other players, Brad Arthur, doesn't matter if you're 18 or 28, Andrew Davey, um, I think, was 28 when he debuted before he went to Manly. Uh, we had uh, your favourite, Makatoa. The Big Mac, uh, yep. Yep. So I, I think what that does, it, it, it reassures Brad that he's got the right playing group and he's got the right staff, just as important, in Ryan Carr and his staff. And it's really important that Ryan is um, he's in Brad's staff because – Um, he's doing exactly what I'm doing with the juniors. They're not full-time players. So he needs to ensure that if Brad does tap a knock-on effect cup player or or a non-full-time player on the shoulder to say, mate, we need you to play this week, every player that stepped up jumped out of the box. I understand the second half against Penrith um, five weeks ago probably blew out a little bit. But that first half was amazing. Um, and for those for those players, I was going to say young, but there was a couple of mature players. Those players would get a lot of confidence out of that, and uh, we would like to think that they would remain at Parramatta because they know there are opportunities at Parramatta. So to answer your question, just keep on keeping on, as long as as long as um, you know you're training hard and you're doing everything asked by your coach. In this particular case, Ryan Carr, who's an outstanding coach. Um, you'll you, you'll get you will get an opportunity given that Brad's going to rest players or there's injuries or, or we have plenty of suspensions this year, uh, so the o- opportunities are endless at our place. Um, so keep on keeping on.
2: And that that answer actually leads me to a, a couple of follow up questions that just sort of jumped into my head. And I was actually joking with Ham about this uh, yesterday. I believe it was we're just having a chat about footy as we do and. One of the, the sort of the long-scoffed-at phrases in professional sports is that in any given code, it could be the NFL where it's college football and the NFL, or it could be the NRL where it's New South Wales Cup or it's various iterations over recent years, Canterbury Cup and all those yep. sort of things, and the NRL. But the the idea that the, the worst NRL team would always you know comprehensively smash the best reserve-grade team, after what we saw against the Penrith Panthers an NRL grand final roster two years in a row, where they were at full strength against us in round 25, and we saw those boys take it to them. I'm not convinced anymore that the, the best reserve grade team couldn't beat the worst NRL team. They, they put on a real show, our boys, in that game.
3: It was a really good mixture of youth and experience in that knock-on effect cup. And uh, the way that they came home, particularly on the back of a couple of games at the back end of the season before the seasons uh, stopped to COVID, there was a game against North Sydney and there was uh, uh, over a dozen players in, in, in combined starting 13s teams that were full-time. So the level of teams that they were playing, they weren't playing teams that didn't have any first-grade experience or weren't full-time. So you could say that the competition um, was very, very close to the bottom rung of the NRL. And given on the day, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with what you said, Jono, um, some knock-on effect cups, the way that they're playing um, could take it to um, some of the NRL uh, clubs that weren't, you know, playing with too much confidence or or, or weren't playing uh, as well as they would like to. So, again, it's a really important stepping stone. And I think our clubs got it absolutely right in the coaching and in the players. That we have at our club so that comes down to good recruitment that is a really important um, uh, and special cog in the whole gearbox of the parramatta nrl machine we've seen at the back six weeks how many players out of that knock-on effect cup were given an opportunity by Brad.
2: and then the sort of the the follow-up to that is that we've got a young team that i presume is going to be for the most part running it back in the new south Wales cup in 2022 but at the same time, you've also got a sequence of uh, flag graduates or even just flag eligible players that are also going to be looking for a spot there. The, the competition for roster spots in the Cup is going to be something incredibly fierce.
3: And this is where perfect worlds um, align. Uh, I've been in this role for three years, and it's my job to fast track uh, these young men and women from our academy into our development, into our elite programs, into full-time training. So now we're recruiting well, we've got players that want to come to our club and and are the right people for our club and we've got these young men and women that are the right people of our club, that know our systems, that know our culture and from both ends they're forcing their way through. So it's a really, really nice situation that our club um, is at moving forward and Not only have we had uh, some young men going through and uh, go full-time and play NRL this year, we've got a a really wonderful young group of men at the 17- and 18-year-old that are chomping at the bit to push up to that next level. And I would like to think that um, we've got a group of 14-, 15-year-olds that arguably are the best players we've had in our nursery over the last decade. And that's why these um, uh, development academy and elite programs are so important, not only because of the, the people that we want at our club, but ultimately it, it ensures that um, uh, we do save in our cap.
2: And that that is a very exciting statement you make. And perhaps no, and I swear you find a way about talking about this young man every podcast, but perhaps no young talent or prospect epitomises that excitement more than Will Pennicini who is almost like the pin-up boy for this process now for the Eels, having made a remarkable NRL debut. And I think it's probably fair to say that he's set some pretty lofty fan expectations for next year after one of the most seamless NRL debut's in a, a very difficult position uh, out in the center. You're often left on an island to defend against some of the best athletes in the game, but one of the most seamless NRL debut's we've seen in a long time. Now, obviously, player growth and development is always a core tenet of the club, but for someone like Will – is the focus for twenty twenty two as simple as just consolidation and building on a steady sort of a steady rate of what we saw this year, or, or is there something else in the mix for a player like him?
3: Well, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, that's going to be a, a Brad Arthur and S- NRL staffing thing. Um, but if you're asking me, as someone that has been in the NRL for quite some time and in Super League and right. been at that elite. Coaching, but also as a uh, you know, in charge of the the juniors as a coaching director, I, I would think it's going to be more of consistency next year. Um, it, it, it was it's it's much easier than to have a, a high level of um, execution in a small amount of games, four or five games, opposed to a whole season. So I reckon that would be the challenge that uh, the staff. Um, both uh, the training staff and the coaching staff would have. The, the training staff uh, to ensure with the medical staff that, um, I mean, he's only a young man. He's played five NRL games. The bumps and bruises and the ability to play at that top level um, week on, week out, injured and sore and tired is going to be the challenge for the medical and S&C staff. But for Brad and his coaching staff, it will be to ensure that um, he understands what his role is for that particular game and do whatever they can to have that level of consistency. Now he's going to be a bit more of a threat. There will be a, a, a lot more attention put on him. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be more pressures. So it's a two-prong attack, but it's for the same thing um, from the two different groups, the the coaching and the training and medical, I think it would be a level of Consistency. We know we've been seeing, we've been watching Will for a long, long time. We always knew he was going to be uh, a dynamic player, um, similar to Michael Jennings at a very, very young age. And I was at, I was lucky to coach against Michael as a fifteen and sixteen year old when he was a Penrith at the Harold Matthews. And I see a lot of similarities. So I think the challenge for um, the, the the NRL staff is um, getting Will to play with the level of consistency week in and
2: week out. And I think in in you know, a more expansive way, you sort of explain why second-year syndrome is a thing, because there are so many factors that go against the young man after making your initial debut, because you sort of hit the ground running. But when you have to factor in the grind and the the attrition, and like you said, the the need for consistency every week, despite so many factors going against you, that's why you sometimes see that second-year fade for a talented young prospect.
3: Oh, absolutely. And even to the point where um, to prepare five or six games is a lot easier than having to prepare for over 20 games a year and your level of preparation must be so consistent and it has to be determined at a high level um to get yourself ready for each game and that's going to be the challenge for such an, an immature and i don't mean immature by yeah, yeah uh, it's not, it's not
2: derogatory it's, yeah exactly it's yeah. just uh, yeah. a fact of uh, statement of fact
3: Absolutely. And, and and I I imagine if you speak to Robbo at the Roosters, I reckon that would have been, you know, a lot of his conversations around young Sammy Walker and mm-hmm. some of the reasons why he started him from the bench and things like that. There are a lot of things that go into planning a season for um, the players.
2: Well, we saw Will take that opportunity across five games this year and, you know, sort of hit the ground running. With Blake Ferguson's departure and Mike Sivo's ACL injury to his knee, that means that right now there's a bit of an opportunity potentially for a young winger at the club. And that could be someone like Sean Russell, Samuel Lozu, or even someone else that sort of comes from the clouds, um, given the nature of how pre-seasons can work out. But for you, Joey, given your background as both a coach and uh, given your you know expertise in play development, uh, when you have a young prospect coming to the preseason with an opportunity like that, th- there are obviously some pretty – you know, simple things they can do, come in fit and, and, you know, and impress their physically. But as a coach, what do you need to see from a young kid like that in the preseason to put them firmly in the mix beyond perhaps the obvious stuff?
3: Yeah, one of the hardest things, I think, for a young player um, to earn is respect. And it's very hard because um, young players don't necessarily know what respect um, may look like or may be. And uh, gaining the respect of your more senior players at your club uh, the more seasoned players i think is that the greatest thing that you can um you know demonstrate so i think that um if a player comes back overweight unfit then they deserve everything they get um, if a player comes back with a level of uh, fitness and conditioning and has been guiding well nutrition then they're going to give themselves uh, the, the greatest opportunity. On on all exit interviews for the season 2021, every player is as an exit interview before they come back. And part of their um, a reintegration or, or, or retraining program is that they must, you know, should come back at a relative weight uh, that they were given, their skin folds, and some other um, indicators or metrics uh, that they need to adhere to. Um, But with the respect things, um, you're going to get that by competing, trying hard, effort and effort. And if you speak to or if you listen to Coach Arthur talk after a game, after a, a match, after a training session or whatever, he's using those three words a lot. So it would be you don't have to finish first, but everyone will know if you're not giving your best, even if you are not finishing first. Players have been around a long time and the coaches are even smarter. So, it would be that uh, uh, ability to get the respect. And at our joint, you're going to get the respect from um, busting your butt when you're tired, challenging, competing, and effort on effort. Those four things there are the biggest things that um, uh, we would be encouraging those young players. And once they get the respect of the players, um, they will help the senior players, will help the younger or the inexperienced players drive that.
2: A fantastic answer, as always, Joey. Now, before we let you go, um, Ham, myself, and Six is going to dive into the junior rep squads that have been announced this week uh, just yep. after you leave. But before we do let you go, is there anything we should know about those squads in general? Um, obviously, we've mentioned there's a lot of returning names, particularly in the Harold Matthews, but just in perhaps in a, in a few words for each team, uh, what should we be looking out for for the uh, Matts, Ball, and Tashigao?
3: Look, our Harold Matthews squad have got nine players that will back up from last year's. Um, squad. So uh, at least uh, just under one third are going to be um, the leaders in that um, that 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 squad. That age group traditionally is a relatively uh, um, stronger strong age group. We've got three teams within our junior league that on any day could beat the other team. Um, fortunately, we've got a, a very very good under. 15s that will be under 16s next year, um, which we've promoted a number of players into that Harold Matthews squad. Uh, They're they're going to be a competitive squad. Um, They're going to be on par with what I feel this year's squad may be. So we're going to have a a, a pretty determined and um, um, hopefully successful club uh, squad. Uh, We certainly want to go one better next year and uh, win the premiership. And equally with our SG ball, we've got a a number of players that are backing up from um, um, this year's squad. But we're really fortunate. We're 14 of the starting 17 players from our Harold Matthews Cup grand final um, have all been promoted into that squad. So we've got a squad of uh, 40 players that's going to be very, very competitive in all um, positions. Uh, One thing we definitely want is the uh, competition for positions, and we've got that in bucket loads with our SG Ball squad. We've got a number of players that are SG Ball eligible that will train with our under-21s in the Jersey Fleck and um, will make a decision or determination on um, um, their status. If they play SG Ball or they stay up there and play Fleck, we'll wait a little bit later for that. And uh, equally, equally so, our Tasha Gale, have done a fantastic job, Ryan Walker and his staff, in identifying uh, our young ladies that have come into our program. We've got a squad of 30. Um, 16 of them will back up from um, this year's squad. And we've got some ladies that um, have jumped out of the junior league, mainly from the All Saints Team Tigers and the Kellyville Bush Rangers, that are going to make our strong even better. And we're very confident that that we'll, we'll go... Uh, even better next year, and uh, by missing out in uh, one spot in the semi-finals, um, we're hoping to be in the semi-finals next year. So we've got some big expectations for all those programs, and um, um, we're re- we're um, ready to start on the fifteenth of November.
2: Thank you for that one, Joey. Um, boys, I don't know if you want anything, to, anything more to say to Joe for the leaves because that was an outstanding synopsis of not just the junior Up squads, but all the questions we leveled at him, plus all the bonus stuff I threw to him this week as well. It was a, a, a huge blast to have you back on the podcast, mate. It's been far too long, but uh, looking forward to talking juniors with you moving forwards again.
3: Um, it's great to be back and it's great to have you on hand. And uh, to all your listeners out there, uh, the last time we spoke, we spoke about uh mental illness and i hope you're all doing well and the the, the finish line's just ahead of less than two weeks and uh can't wait to do the next podcast and um i just want to thank um uh you um uh, and uh 60s um for your support that you've given um our club not only on instagram or on twitter you've got tens of thousands of followers for a reason and uh it doesn't go unnoticed particularly with the junior reps mate so thank you very much for your support and thanks for having me on and um, jibber jabbing all the time
2: <laughs> don't worry we're the masters of the jibber jabber mate so it's good yeah, to have someone are. else share it share it with us
3: good on you guys. thanks mate
2: thanks joey catch you see joey
3: Joe. see you man.
2: So on that note, boys, let's jump right into the junior representative teams for the season 2022. We'll start with the Harold Matthews, formerly the under-16s, now the under-17s, like Joey pointed out. We're going to see someone go from mats to an NRL at some point, which is just crazy. But for the Eels, uh, we're going to start off alphabetically. It's Muhammad Alamuddin, uh, Matthew Arthur, son of uh, Brad, obviously, uh, Dylan Bredle, Josh Bridget, Zane Capavilla, Shabel Shahadi, Lachlan Quincus. Chad Daniels, Lennox E.E., and I'm sorry, Lennox, I, I mispronounced that, but uh, Lennox E. or E.E., uh, Junior Fagalele, Jacob Fahim, Jordan uh, Faleono, Dominic Ferrugia, uh, Josiah Finoluta, Michael Gabriel, uh, Thomas Gretsch, Kobe Herford, uh, Jacob John or Bobby John, Tyrese Lakenny, Brody Manning, Luke Maroon, Zadis Muagututia, Lucius Maliga, Marcus Ofanoa, Mavetti Otota, Otto uh, Otto, sorry, uh, Richard Pennasini, younger brother of Will, Sebastian Piacala, Julian Russell Hills, Kingston Sabine or Sabine, uh, Tyson Sunalang, uh, Jacopi Soval, Blaise Talangi, uh, Lorenzo Talatina, Nathaniel uh, Titi, uh Mikael Tito, uh, Filo Philo Totoa Tunumafon, T- Tunumafon sorry, Tanuma sorry, Philo. Uh, Sam Tuavardi, Tevita Tukafu, Jordan Utter, and Mark Williams. So, good size squad there. Joey already mentioned that there's a number of returning players, boys. Sixties uh, Ham, which of those returnees do you want to talk about first because they're going to be the core of his team?
0: Yeah, I think we've seen um, a couple of the big boppers there from uh, the middle forwards that will be returning there, which is uh, impressive to see. So, um, we've got... Um, uh big uh sam tuavati
2: mm-hmm.
0: who's returning and he, he was he was really starting to make an impression through the middle last year and when you think that um size against the, in the grand final that size that they competed against with manly and they're the just enormous uh team that they were last year i, I think it's it's going to bring a lot to have him and and jacob john returning to the team this year so i'm excited about those two boys being able to run around again in the same age group and um the the other of course is uh the fellow that we both identified with blaze Talangi, with him returning into the halves and i'm going to assume that he'll play 5-8 again this year although he had that experience in a a utility role and coming off the bench in the early part of the season last year, I think he'll make that five-eight role his own. He he plays, um, although not identical in the way that he in the in the his style of play, there is a lot of um, uh, of what we see in in his love of the physicality that's similar to Dylan Brown. So um, yeah, they're the they're the players that I'm going to. Um, earmarked straight away. And, of course, we have um, young Matthew Arthur, Buds Arthur, who's coming into this team. He, he, look, he, he possibly could have played in it last year. He was in the development squads last year, but he's he's hung back for a year. The thing about uh, Buds is he's an absolute terrier and a uh, very intelligent dummy half um, tackling machine. When we've watched him play in either the, uh, the Rouse Hill side or in the development squad uh, matches. He's been a standout. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what that's like for him and he'll be coming in as a 17-year-old this year. So he hasn't been rushed. He's he's held back in that development pathway.
2: Ham, hey, I know that 60 stole a lot of the uh, the limelight there of some of the big players returning, but what jumps out to you about this Harold Matthews squad?
1: Uh, yeah, just... That middle forwards, as you said, Sam Tuovati, um, Bobby John, Torres Le Kenny played a little bit last – oh, no, he was a year young, that's right. Um, Kobe played. Herford is another name we've had in the middle. Yeah, Mavete played um, a Yeah, bit. just – sorry.
2: Oh, I was just going to say Mavetti played a little bit too, so that, that's yeah. the quarterback forward back. But, um, yeah,
1: I just think through the middle there, they're just going to be absolutely relentless. And with Sam, the way he played last year, um, <laughs> he could have played all 60 minutes in some of those games and – I think he did in a couple of them. So um, he'll be a monster through the middle. Blaise Talungi, Matthew Arthur. Um, in the outside backs, I think uh, Richard Penasini, from what I can tell, he's the only one backing up from last year's squad. Obviously the younger brother of Will. Um, I think he's got a bit more height than Will did at that age and um, probably a bit leaner, probably uh, maybe a bit more suited to wing. But, you know, just, that, um, just having that year, playing a year young, um, coming now, coming to being 17 years old, he'll... Should be much stronger, and I think he'll uh, cement a backline position there.
2: Now, well said, and I think the big question mark for me is this forward back looks outstanding. And I remember I was stunned when I found out Sam Tulvati was a year young because we'd known that uh, Blaze was a year young for a bit, and he was you know standing out. But then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, Sam is a year young too. It's like, oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, speaking <laughs> speaking of Blaze, the big question mark for me is who's going to partner him in the halves. Um, you've done a a great little breakup for us in terms of uh, player position or distribution. And there's quite a few options here and I'm going to be looking forward to the preseason to see who really jumps out there and makes that, uh, whether it's seven or six, but regardless, makes the other half spot their own. Um, And also on the outside backs, uh, we've got a few players that are sort of uh, unknown right now in terms of their position who I figure will probably be outside backs looking at that uh, player distribution ham. So it looks like there's going to be a bit of competition in the back line too. Absolutely. So, mats were predicting to be pretty good. They were, They went through to the grand final and were knocked off by one of the better uh, Harold Matthews teams we've seen in recent years in the, the Manly Seagulls, who had a dynamic forward pack and some live wire outside back. So, they're looking to go one better in 2021.
0: But Mate, I, I must say, just, just on that Manly team, and I was raving about them just a moment ago in terms of their size, but... They were one of those rare teams that seemed to combine the size with the skill factor.
2: Yeah, cuz you often see teams that are either small and fast or or sort of big powerful but cumbersome when it comes to moving the ball around. They had that great blend, didn't
0: they? Yeah, yeah, they were um a standout team from the season. Uh, went through undefeated, wasn't
2: it? Yep. From um, memory, and, the only, and the um, two losses we had.
0: And in fact our, our only two defeats were at the at the hands of Manly yeah, last we, year, we, so we it uh, might just and be then, a rivalry to continue again this year.
2: That's right. We had him in round one and then let him go, and then in the grand final, they were just too good on the day. Uh, so, yeah, Matt's looking to go one better in 2022 and secure another premiership. For the SG Ball, though, they're looking to get back into the postseason after just missing out on what well, we spoke about at 60s, but that, that bloody drawn game with the Illawarra Steelers, who would go on to play in the grand final. So uh, a huge butterfly effect uh, moment there for the boys, but for the eels in the ball, they look like this. Uh, lots of uh, talent coming out from the Harold Matthews, as Joey said. A couple of returning guys too, or more than a couple of returning guys, but some new faces as well. Uh, alphabetically, once again, we've got Jake Abbey leading things off. Uh, Suliasi Aho, or also known as Eddie Aho this year. Uh, Josh Alzahim, Marcus Atoa, Yeya Ayachi, Riley Canning, Tohu off Cecil Hemiura, uh, Caleb Coroneos Don Destratus, and his twin brother Raff. so Dom and the DeStratis there. Calvin Apati, Francis Fayofo Tuotino, Ibrahim Fakri, uh, Kamoi Fakatoa, Freeman Forsyth, Lance Fualema, uh, Dion Iro. And we should have asked Joey if that's a relation of Tony, because that is not a common name there. But uh, yeah, young uh, Dion Iro there, or Iro, uh, Vlado Yankovic. The club's got him down as Vlado Yankovic, but it is Vlado. Uh, Terence Laffeye, Josh Leala Oloto, Colin Mafoa, Paul Emmanuel. Uh, Orfag Mina, or it was Mino last year, but also known as Orlando this year, so big Orlando there, uh, Declan Murray, Cody Parry, Saxon Pryke, Daniel Reardon, Josh Russell, Cooper Sinclair, Pat Spence, Genesis Talangi Suala, Max Tupo, Totono Junior Wright, and Navili Zadurian, also known as Paul Zadurian. So lots of players we're familiar with there, boys. A couple of new faces. This is an exciting team, and worth mentioning, there is, uh, Joey did allude to it, but there's a number of ball-eligible players that could play some key positions in this team that aren't named because they're up in the Jersey flag. We're talking Ethan Sanders, Charlie Geimer, and probably a couple more there as well.
0: Uh, Yeah, so we've got um, players that, uh, I think it's going to be that good mix of players that have got the experience from last year in SG ball, and uh, well, I I keep saying last year <laughs> yeah. I, <should> be...
2: <laughs> I was doing exactly the same saying thing. Last right?
0: Season yep. you know, this this most recent season, but um, yeah, a, a couple that that really do jump out. I'm I'm looking forward to watching the development of the uh, dummy half, uh, Vlada Jankovic. He he had a really good uh, schoolboy season last year uh, before jumping into um, the uh, junior reps this season, and um, yeah, I, I, when when he had some really uh, dominant games, I thought that the uh, SG ball side went a little bit better. Um, so I'm I'm keen to see how he goes this year. Um, I'm also obviously keen on seeing how uh, Terence Lafay goes. He got an injury towards the end of last season, which resulted in the elevation. Of Blaze Talangi from coming off the bench into the five eight role, um, Terence has got quite a, an amazing step on him, so he's a very evasive
2: great player, great ball running half. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, another coming back from injury, I believe, is Cody Parry. He um, we didn't get to see too much of him in this past season, so um, and he was starting to star again in the Schoolboy Cup in the matches this year before we had the COVID lockdown. So. Be interesting to see how he goes, and of course we've got the back rowers from the um, uh, Harold Matz team last year. We, you've got the Destratus brothers, and you've got Saxon Pryke. So I think it's going to, and 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 of course the uh, my uh, pick for the back of last year in the in the Harold Matz in um, Pat Spence um, being elevated. So yeah, exciting uh, blend as you say of that. The younger players coming up and the uh, the players returning to street
2: Hall. How do you see it, Ham? There's a, a lot of players that you're big on here. There's some names missing, like we said, that are going to be playing flag. That could also still feature here. That um, we can probably cover on another time. But where do you see this team being uh, a standout, whether it's forwards, backs, or halves?
1: Um, I'll just start with the most interesting and thing I'm looking forward to from this squad. It's just a very young team, like as. 60 said Saxon Pryke, um, Pat Spence, Terence Lafay, the second rowers that he mentioned before, are all been play- are all um, playing a year young, so they've just moved up from Harold Matthews. Um, that's really interesting. Where they win, it's it's really hard to say because we've got a few of these um, middle forwards, these props that have come in: um, Marcus Otoa, Jake Abbey, Lance Fuilima. Um, I think they're all external recruits. Don't quote me. I I know Lance is from Queensland, um, so it'll be interesting to see um, how they're shaping up coming into the season. Um, yeah, <laughs> 60s pretty much covered I'm really I'm really <laughs> looking forward to Vlado. Um, I didn't realise he was playing a year young um, going into this just previous season. I thought he was of age, but really good to see him um, returning. I imagine that he'll be captain or close to captain. Um, we've got a young half there, Riley Canning. Um, I see he's been picked for the Australian under-18s touch team. So he's one to look out for. The player that I'm most interested in this year, and we only saw him in a couple of games last year, is Cooper Sinclair. He's a winger. He's very tall. Big athletic it thing, pro- yeah. He's just probably the tallest player could have been in the competition. <laughs> he, he stood head and shoulders above his own team there a few times. So um, didn't get much game time there, but... What I saw of him, I really enjoyed. I thought um, he used his frame well. Um, What you don't typically see of players his age was his offloading ability. And it wasn't just, you know, throwing the ball back whenever. He got his arms free. He made sure that the dummy half or whoever was in support was ready. And he threw the offload. So I hope that um, Big Cooper there can uh, get more game time on the wing for us.
0: And I wonder as well whether they've got plans for him to develop him into an edge forward.
2: Possibly. He's got the size. And the fact that he offloads as a winger is very rare, which means it sort of lends credence to the idea that he could develop into an edge forward. So that's definitely something to watch out for. And that probably leads into the fact that why they would look at him as an edge forward is that that back line is just stacked. You've got yeah. Eddie Aho on one wing. Uh, Freeman Forsyth has been a fantastic utility back, capable of playing uh, both wing and fullback. Uh, Josh Lotto is a powerhouse on the other flank and, and has been dominant for the Eels and the Mats coming through. Uh, Declan Murray is a very uh, classy centre for the age group. Uh, Cody Perry's plenty talented, like Sixty said, just needs to stay healthy. And then you throw in Cooper Sinclair to that. And, you know, the spots are the premium when everyone's healthy. So if you want to get onto the field, sometimes you have to diversify. So that's definitely something to monitor.
0: And, and it's interesting too that it is um, a stacked field when you're talking about... Um Charlie Geimer going, yeah, start no off training with exactly. the, the flag, Ethan Sanders, uh Jock Brazzle.
2: Yep, Jock, um, another one who just re-signed with the Eels for three years, by the way. That was
0: announced yep. on social media. Yep, so he's he's jumping up and gonna start the uh preseason training with the flag. Of course, the, the thing that we don't know, and, and Joey alluded to this as well, is that they like to keep their options open with some of these players. Some of them might start the early part of the season in the SG ball and then once the um, Jersey flag starts that they join in the the premiership from the start of the Jersey flag Um, then they have it in their mind too whether they just finish off the junior rep and just jump and jump into the the Jersey flag team when the Harold when the um, uh, SG ball season's over but Again, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact they're going to get the benefit of a jersey flag preseason, regardless, which is a step up in the level of training and intensity on uh, the SG ball season.
2: Mm -hmm. But I look at this team, I love the hooker rotation you mentioned in Vlado's 60s, but Jager Ayachi was outstanding and Harold Matthews, that gives Parramatta a fantastic one-two punch if they do want to go that way, obviously one operating off the bench. Um, I do love that edge back, like that edge, the combinations you can play in the edge, in the back row are just crazy. Joshua Alzim is a fantastic bench forward. The The Stratus boys are both high energy, high impact forwards with plenty of work rate too. Um, we saw this year that Francis Fayofo Fortunatino is an incredible just utility player, capable of playing back row or back line for us. And then you mentioned Saxon Pryke. Max Tupo was very solid in the SG ball this year. Um, the, the big question mark in this team is A, I think who partners Terence Laffey in the halves if Ethan Sanders is playing Jersey Fleck, um, which will be between what we think is Riley Canning or Tohu, Cardiff, Cecil, Hamiora And then those starting middles. Um, Genesis Talangi Suwala is someone we're familiar with. Orlando Mino someone we're familiar with. Han, him. But it looks like the club's recruited heavily for middles here and just how that rotation plays out. I like the bench. I like the edges. I like the hookers. I like the back line. Um, right through to fullback where I think Pat Spence probably takes the number one jersey here. Just got to see how that forward pack shakes out in terms of that starting rotation.
0: And and look, it's it's the other interesting thing too, when you were talking about the strength of the backs, um, the back of the year from last year is returning this year. in Fekatoa. Yeah,
2: yeah, uh, Kamui Fekatoa, who is a big athletic unit. Um, We saw him dominate a, a couple of times in 2021. Um, Yeah, this is a chance for him to, you know, go on and and really kick on here. So definitely one to watch out there.
0: Yeah. So um, it's a stacked team. um, And you'd like to think that last year, given that they only missed the finals on uh, for and against and that they're they only lost two games I mean I know it's a it's a a shortened season with eight games but they only lost two games and it was probably that it was ultimately that draw that cost them a place in the in the finals but normally uh two only two losses in a season gets you into the final series and given their results against some of those finals teams last year it was an opportunity missed and um I'm sure they'd like to step up and take it one game further and um and uh, yeah, let's let's see how they go.
2: And we'll close things up with the the team that we all want to see take that big step forwards in 2022, and that's the Tarsha Gale. Get through to a breakthrough final series. Joey already mentioned that they've uh, heavily, you know, recruited across some of the the teams or clubs that we've been focusing on 60s in our power stories, in the All Saints Toongabi Tigers and the California Bush Rangers, and that explosion of growth and female participation is coming through now to benefit the Parramatta Eels. So we've got a number of returning players, we've got a number of new faces. Let's go through it now, again, alphabetically. At the top, we're starting with Alicia Bell, Amina uh, Khanj, Ashley Pottinger, Chelsea Austin, uh, Debbie Duhi or Dwahi, Demia Pritchard, Emily Waters, Hannah McFadden, Jacinta Tui, Casey Q Quay, sorry, Casey, uh, Catalina Vave, Kiana Lakeni, who we believe is a sister of Tyrese, who we just named previously in the junior reps, Lolani Tua, uh, mela nakuo Akuala Lala, uh, apologies if I got that one wrong. Nella Lima, uh, Otili Mano Kafawa, Petalina Atoa, uh, Petessa Leo, Quinn McVeigh, uh, Raven Boyce, rosemary Beckett, Ruby Jean Kennard or Ruby John Kennard, Summer Terare, Talisha Pugh, Taimani Kolamaka, Talara Bamblett, Tamira Liadi. And to round it off, Zali Yeo, who we believe is the younger sister of Isaiah of the Penrith Panthers fame. All right, boys, let's dive into this one. Um, we, we've mentioned in the past that the Eels were very forward heavy, very power game dominant in 2020, and it served them well in some games, but it also was a detriment to their ability to compete with some of the, I suppose, the, the grand final caliber teams in the likes of the Roosters Indigenous Academy and the Illawarra Steelers. Um, how do we see this team playing out this year?
0: Well, I think we're seeing quite a number of familiar faces that are uh, listed there. uh, Joey mentioned there was a lot of returning players, which augurs well when you consider that if you have so many girls that are playing a year young, that that experience last year is going to serve them well. And it just seemed that they were clicking at the end of last season. And um, uh, so... Just with regard to that, I'm, I'm obviously I'm really pleased to see Ruby Jean Kennard and S- Summer Terare are uh, running around again. We saw uh, we both named uh, those girls in our uh, TCT awards mm-hmm. earlier, which we released earlier this week, um, and the same for Talisha Pugh running around again, and of course the player that uh, I mentioned that. I would have liked to have seen more games from, except she uh, she received that elbow injury last year of um, uh, Quinn McVeigh playing on the edge, and I'm I'm keen to see how her game has developed. Um, it's obviously a little bit harder to see how you would get much time to develop with the um, the lockdown that's occurred, but a full preseason behind her going into next season, uh, a little bit older. Um, and I think she was relatively new to the game. So I'm pretty keen to see how
1: she goes.
2: Ham, what's your call on this team, mate? Who are you looking to see even make that jump or who are you just looking forward to as a new face?
1: Um, well, Sixties mentioned the uh, young women that have uh, are returning. Um, there's a couple of that I'm going to be naming. It seems that uh, the poaching from the junior grades and maybe not poaching, but scouting and everything has now flowed into the women's game. And I notice... Uh, a couple of names here Rosemary Beckett and um, oh, I've just lost a name uh, Raven Boyce mm-hmm. I believe both played for the St George Dragons in the grand final winning team last year um, so I assume that uh, those are the same players there so good to see them um, come on board and I imagine that's uh, through the um, from the NRLW they're seeing a pathway through to a professional first grade. Um, and there's obviously a few there from uh, the Penrith district. Um, so, yeah, just really excited to see them go around again. Um, hopefully we can get a few more wins and, um, most importantly, a good season.
2: That, that's the big thing is seeing these uh, young girls finally make that breakthrough result into the postseason. It is worth mentioning, you uh, you talked about the girls that came across from the Dragons uh, we have Rosemary Beckett who played the final at centre, and then uh, Raven Boyce uh, was the originally named at number seven, but came off the bench. They're two pretty cool. Uh, if she ends up playing number seven for Parramatta, that's a, obviously a huge in. But having a, another you know dynamic presence out wide would be huge for the Eels as they look to bring more balance to their playstyle. Right, moving from that just power game through the middle to having you know a presence through the ruck, but also being able to spread the ball for speed. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that part of their game developing. Um, I think that that will be what helps them go to the next level. Um, missing Lasalio citapane obviously we didn't name her. Um, that's going to be a big loss in the forward pack, but I do expect uh, Ruby Jean Kenner to step up in her absence. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this team. Uh, just They were so close last year. They, they started to figure things out in the back end of the season and, and just had results not quite go their way, and they just missed the finals because of it. I think that in 2022 they do make that breakthrough, which is going to be very, very cool to see given that we also have the NRLW coming in for Parramatta with a, a double-header season, as crazy as that is for next year. Um, we, we should mention too that it's not just players that get the opportunity to be named and and get you know, call-ups and promotions in the Parramatta pathways. Uh, there's also coaches and all the auxiliary staff. This year we've seen a number of promotions for the Parramatta Eels right through uh, their junior representative programs, starting in the Harold Matthews. You have, uh, just coming down here, I believe it's Chris Howard taking over as head coach. Um, Chris serving as an uh, assistant coach in the SG Ball for a number of years now and finally getting a chance to take over at the helm of the under-17s. In the SG Ball, there's also a change of coaches with former Harold Matthews coach Stephen O'Day now progressing through to the SG Ball, obviously progressing on his career pathway there. Stephen did a fantastic job with the Harold Matthews and looking forward to him working with the the, uh, SG Ball and a lot of the kids that he had in the mats as well. And for Craig Brennan... Um, no longer the SG ball coach, I believe he's still with the club and moving on to a, a, a promotion within the Jersey flag, which is, you, as much as you love to see the players developing, it's also cool to see the coaches developing too and, and creating a pathway within with their coaches. Um, we, we've been speaking the virtues of Ryan Carboys and, you know, it's it's the same here if these younger uh, the coaches, of the younger teams, having this development of the coaches, coaching the coaches is also why this club is going to be successful long-term.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, and when you've got uh, coaches who, who know the system, and yes, they bring, a, uh, they bring something of themselves to the coaching of the team, but it, it, it's also important to, to know who we identify as Parramatta type of players and the sort of football that we like to play all through the, the grades. And um, you get that continuity of message that happens when you've got um, coaches that are developed through the system.
2: Yes, sir. And you talked about, uh, we talked about it, Joey's talked about it, the Parramatta way, you know, that, that buy-in into what makes you a Parramatta player. It also goes through the coaches and, and having those guys develop and, and that consistency of presence at the club is why we've turned things around. So very exciting. Uh, looking forward to the jersey, uh, jersey flag, the junior rep season. Uh, no jersey flag teams yet. And Ham, we're going to have you back for the jersey flag because there's going to be plenty to dive into when we get that full team list out there, mate.
1: Oh, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, to- <laughs> no, always
2: always a pleasure to talk juniors if you, mate, and having that extra head on the show to just, you know, chew uh, uh, chew the fat when it comes to junior football is always great. And, yeah, this this Jersey Fleet team, me and you spoke about this before, but we're excited for it because there's going to be uh, a lot of young players developing. There's going to be some returning players to help create a good core of talent. Um, they're going to... It's hard to say how far they're going to go in 2022 because there's just so many factors when it comes to New South Wales Cup promotions and injuries. But at face value, this is the team we're excited about.
1: Absolutely. It's just, um, you know, with these two years of uh, or one and a half years, you could say one and a half to two years of um, non-development in a way, um, it's just hopefully next year we can have a full year of all these grades, all these players can be playing footy what they love, and uh, we can go and watch uh, them win competitions. Amen to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, after having two years uh, effectively, not wiped out because this year we've got to at least get through half a season, but especially 2020, you know, have these young men have a chance to just make those steps of their career would be so good. And it, it is always so fun to get out there and watch Junior reps Jersey Flag, New South Wales Cup because, you know, we've got such a, a great fan base at the Eels and whether it's Ringrose Park or whether it's out at our New Year Cabramatta, you know, it is so good to be able to watch these young teams run around and compete.
1: And hopefully soon at Kellyville.
2: Yes, well, that that is the end game, isn't it? That's uh, our, our Avengers end game moment right there is bringing it all together, the, the 1 in 14 million or whatever it was, opportunities. Having that Kellyville base fully developed is going to be amazing. Being able to watch junior reps, being able to watch, you know, Tasha Gale, NRLW, everything that they play out of their NRL trials. You know, it's going to be so cool. So, Ham...
0: Yeah, and just... And just before we wrap it up, fellas, um, a thanks to all of the junior rep staff, uh, the coaches, the support staff, um, the players, uh, obviously Joey, uh, this year we were able to extend our coverage into new ground with the junior reps from doing the jersey presentations um, through to doing the, the grand final um, jersey presentations. And the uh, and the and the preparation for the grand final at the end of the year, just the uh, the access that the coaches gave us to um, their those sorts of preparation times, but also at the games and a bit of a chat about what was happening with the games, the insights they gave us this year, the um, acknowledgement from the from the uh, the players as well. It was just a it it made our it, the expansion of what we were doing this year that much easier and likewise a, a shout out to all of the family and friends of the players who also made us very welcome at the at the games and uh we're always up for a chat and have been very supportive of the content that we provide on the Cumberland throws so I want to make a uh, you know an acknowledgement of of those people because they're, all, all of the families and the players and the coaches, the staff, everyone, it's all part of the Eels community. And without that Eels community, it's really, um, it's not as enjoyable for us to do what we do. And um, it's certainly not as easy for us to do what we do without their support.
1: And um, if I can just tack on the here, uh, and a thank you to the canteen ladies for filling me up with bacon their <laughs> egg rolls every Saturday morning while I'm watching the junior footy. Uh,
2: well said. And uh, we'll bid farewell to him at this juncture. Sixties myself aren't quite done. We do have our latest instalment of the Paris stories coming up shortly, at which point I'll throw at the Sixties to lead it in.
4: The NRL season is coming to a close, but for many involved in junior rugby league, there's a big task ahead as we emerge from COVID lockdowns. Today, we're talking to one of the youngest clubs in the Parramatta Junior League, and they're also one of the fastest growing. The Rouse Hill Rhinos have been responsible for a number of Beals debuts this year, and we're about to speak to their president, Paul Fuda. Paul, welcome to the Cumberland Throw. Oh, Thanks for having me, Craig. It's um, a pleasure to be on, mate. That's fantastic that you've joined us, mate. The uh, Rhinos, as I said, are a relatively young club. Can you talk us through the origins of the club? Y- yeah, um, well, the Rhinos only started in 2007 um, with only five teams. Uh, playing out of commercial road there, um, just down from the fiddler on the end of the the other end of that road there, um, and there was, you know, uh, the, the president was Joanne Barry, um, and she just had a few others, and they used to sit around a kitchen table and and do their meetings that way and and discuss what needed to do to what needed to happen to to grow and make the rhinos a success. So. Yeah, started with five teams back in 07, um, much bigger now, of course. We're in our 15th season, um, with 2018 being probably our most successful year with the Rhinos winning club of the year, um, and our secretary uh, Rowena also took out our secretary of the year that year, so um, that was pretty exciting for everyone.
2: Paul, 60's clued us into it in his uh, fantastic little intro, but the Rhinos have experienced phenomenal growth recently. How many teams and players do you now boast?
4: Well, at the moment, we, we've had in excess of 30 teams um, over the years, but COVID the last few years has, you know, it hasn't dropped it too much, only a couple. Mm-hmm. So this season, 2021, we still have 30 teams and 417 players registered. So in 15 years, it's come a fairly long way
2: that's some good numbers right there i tell you what
4: yeah yeah it's pretty big so further to that we had a we had a bit of a chat the other day and you've got some pretty big plans for the future haven't you uh yeah definitely we definitely want to go into the the senior footy um and and look at having a shield side in the next couple of years um we're looking at getting some new facilities and grounds that the Council of earmarked us for. Um, so it would give us, you know, three or four international fields to obviously have a bit more space for, for training, but also it'll be state-of-the-art up to New South Wales Rugby League standards to play some some senior football there. So definitely from next year, we definitely want to get into the, the senior footy and start with an under-20s at a minimum and then look at look at getting into the Sydney Shield stuff in a, in a year or two after that, once we get those new facilities.
2: That's, um, I can't recall, I mean, I'm relatively young. I say relatively, I'm early 30s now. <laughs> um, but uh, seeing a club, obviously it's happened in the past, but just in the now, seeing a club grow from being a junior club and, and stepping into the senior realms, that's really, really exciting.
4: Yeah, well, we're probably lucky with, with a lot of... Um, you know, growth around the area with, um, infrastructure and housing and that, um, that's probably helped us. Um, so it's a younger families moving in and kids playing, playing rugby league, which is, yeah, it's tops for us. So this year we've seen four rhinos debut for the Eels. That's, that being Will Pennacini, Jake Arthur, Sean Russell and, uh, Samuel, uh, Luizio. Um, it must make the club really proud to be, an obviously important club to the Eels in their pathways. Right, oh, yeah, it's huge for us. I mean, we've been so excited um, when when Jake was first to to make his debut, and then followed by Will and Sean and, and Samuel. Um, it's it's been so exciting. The the Facebook page goes off, and you know, text messages flying around. But yeah, we're super proud of them. They've been. Rhinos since they were like under 11s, some younger. I think Jake was there way before that. But then, you know, they all, they all sort of came together about under 11s and they weren't playing any high division then. I think they were twos or threes and, and then developed and, and um, you know, and now in the NRL squad, which so it, it, they've proven it can be done. You don't have to be a superstar from a young age.
2: In addition to the uh, numerous players throughout the Eels junior pathways, and I do want to stress numerous, there are plenty of uh, young Rhinos in the mats in the 16th development squad. There's also yeah. quite a few Rhinos who found themselves, uh, found their way towards the South and Storm systems, two of which, are, you know alongside the Eels, are, are premier clubs in the NRL. That's certainly an indication of the excellent play development that's taking place out at Rouse Hill, and it's a really nice nod to your coaches. Uh, yeah, we've got we've got,
4: uh, the Mazomo boys at South, um, uh, Desi and Covey uh, They're down at the Storm They're in the Storm system And they played with Will, Jake, Sean and Samuel As well In the same junior side um, So they're down in the Storm system Which I mean I don't know If there is a better system uh, it's, it's it's at the top Obviously They've been at the top For a long time um, And we've also got A sprinkling You know Over at Norse And even the Roosters I'm pretty sure There's a couple That have gone over there For Mats this year as well So um, yeah, a, a massive shout-out to our coaches. I mean, we really don't have the club running like it does without the volunteers and, and, and the experience of our coaches. Um, we've done a few things in the club in, the, in recent years. We've held a coach-to-coaches where we've got um, – well, I got Craig Brennan in who, who, who was doing mats and then ball at Para and now he's doing FLEG next year mm-hmm. um, he came in as an elite coach to coach our coaches um, over three or four weeks so on a Monday night he'd spend an hour to two hours with the boys and he did a he did a session on the whiteboard and then he'd take them out onto the field for the next few sessions and, and run them through drills and yeah, everything they need and starting with basics right up to some shape and, and things like that so um, the coaches loved that program It was outstanding um, And we've also bought in our own In-house development Program called the Crash Development um, Crash is after a bunch of rhinos A herd of rhinos is called a crash um, So we call it the Crash Development Program And it's purely for Division 2 players From under 12s to 16s So we get them in We get those experienced coaches to help us And we run a, a 6 week program to try and upskill our Div 2 players to push them up the division to Div 1 um, rather than, you know, getting people from other clubs and, and poaching players to play to fill our Div 1s. We want to develop from within and get them to move up the divisions. You can. That's, t- a, that's a couple of tremendous initiatives. Yeah. <laughs> and, and certainly being able to get Craig Brennan in there, we've been, we've been really fortunate that uh, Craig's given us access to. His work with the SG Ball this year, and uh, we've we've sat through his video presentations on um, uh, on captains run days and yeah. um, the coaching sessions, and um, yeah, he's given a lot of time to us. So uh, yeah. we, we know what a quality bloke he is as a coach. Uh, yeah, he's a gun. I grew up playing with him, so I know him fairly well. Um, and he actually invited me to a captains run. Um, before they flogged Canberra this year, down in Canberra, I went that Friday night, and he went through the video on what they got to do, and then I went out onto the field and watched them do their captain's run. And the next day, they Canberra hadn't been beaten, and we pumped them. <laughs> <Yeah. So laughs> yeah. what, what a what a week for you to go and do that! They they produced a great video from the uh the week of training that
0: week they, that we put yeah. up on the
4: on the Coming Cumberland Show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well. <wow. laughs> no quality bloke quality coach um and yeah we're lucky to have him that we can lean on him for a bit of um guidance and expertise uh for our coaches and and he's more than happy to do it he's he's you know given his time he doesn't have to do it but he it shows the quality of the bloke and um yeah he loves to do it so he he said to me that night we started at seven and we we're meant to finish at 8.30. It was 10 to 9. And he said, I'll, I'll go to midnight if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he loved it. <laughs> he loves it. But, now, like most, you, you touched on uh, there about that, um, you know, the people that you've got within your organisation, all the volunteers that are there. And, it's, and there's an obvious importance that's placed on community, like, like all junior rugby league clubs. Can you share with us who makes up the Rhinos community? Yeah, obviously we've got plenty of kids in the local area because it's their local, local club. So they, they stay close to home for training, for obviously parents getting them there after work and that. But there's plenty of kids from outside the local area who want to be a rhino. Um, there's a huge diversity of kids and, and the cultures who all come together to play. And once they pull on that rhino's jersey, you know, they're best of mates and become part of the rhino's community. That way. Um, you also see lots of parents from all different cultures becoming lifelong friends from just watching their kids play footy on a, on a weekend. Um, it's very re- rewarding to be part of the family, uh, and give back to the community. Um, I, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I've been president for four years. I've been at the club for 10. Um, you know, you, you don't get a dime for it. You get a bacon and egg roll uh, for breakfast on a Saturday, but it's it's just a great day up there. Um, so, yeah, all that. I just want to mention uh, our wonderful committee who work tirelessly. Um, we've got such a great team. We have so much fun and banter. Um, it, everyone says it. It's It's their second family. So, you know, when it is time to give it up, it, it's going to be hard to let go, to be honest
2: now we've been doing this series the Paris stories for a bit this year now and easily one of my favourite parts if not the best part is diving into the events that the junior clubs around the Parramatta District celebrate because it's such a, a cool sort of dive into their identity and, and what makes these clubs so great and for the Rouse Hill Rhinos the big day on the calendar is Pink Day how important is that event to the club
4: uh, it's probably the most important event that we hold each year and um, in 2012, it kicked off um, with an idea from the president back then, Keenan, um, to have a pink day with the pink jerseys and, and socks and, and raise as much money as we could for, for certain charities. Um, we normally always pick breast cancer, and and then we pick one each year to, to go for our second one, uh, like the Children's Hospital. Uh, we had Headspace. Ready for this year, um, with all the, you know, the, the kids struggling with, with depression and, and suicides and that. So unfortunately we haven't been able to hold it the last two years. Um, but we've still had sponsors give us money to give to the charities and, and there's no pink day. So, you know, you can't ask for more than that. So we've had eight pink days all up. I think our biggest one was. About maybe twenty-three and a half thousand we raised in in one day. So, oh. um, you know, and that's just people chucking money in buckets and and raffles and you know cake stalls, all sorts of thing that's flying around all day. It, it there ends up, you know, there's probably about two thousand people at the oval on that day at any one any given time that you can be up there. So, yeah, it'd be nice if we can um, definitely. Have it next year, and, and COVID's not in the road of it, so we can we can donate some money to to these wonderful causes again. And you know the whole hog with the pink jerseys and that now. Yeah, we all we'll, yeah, we always do the pink jersey, um, and even this year we decided we're going to do it because it was meant to be on August the sixth, and um, you know we were hoping lockdown was going to end on that July thirtieth, but obviously, um, squeezed don't yeah, we, we already ordered the jerseys, um, so we will still present them to the kids um, at the end of the, the season. We, we can't really have a presentation because, you know, we, we couldn't end up doing our team photos or anything, so we can't do a yearbook. So part of it is to, you know, show the kids you still get your pink jersey as, as part of being a rhino. i got a sneaking feeling that those... Pink jerseys are probably just as popular as the as the normal stripes when the, yeah. the kids get them. Oh, definitely. I reckon if you live in the local area around the Rouse Hill Town Centre, you'd see more pink jerseys than the normal, you know, black, grey and white ones floating around. They're, they're out there. Don't worry. They love them. And, and the little kids from, you know, 6 to 12 just, they can't get enough of it. But even the older kids, they still like it. Up to the 16s, we do it. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's a huge day and everyone, you know, if you don't get a home game, they get disappointed. But unfortunately, we can't have, you know, 30 home games in one day. We'd be there till two in the morning. <laughs> 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 oh, but, but, but you know what? Parramatta look after us and they normally give us 22, 23 home games. So we only have six or seven teams that miss out on playing at uh, home that day. Which, that is a which mammoth is, you know, undertaking,
2: 22, 23 yeah. games in
4: a day. Wow. Oh, it's huge. It's the biggest day ever. Like We're there from 6.30, setting up, and oh, I think kickoff of the last game, 7pm. So it's a, an 8.30, 9 o'clock finish, yeah. Oh, it could um, be interesting times when you get the new venue down the track. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll, it'll, we could fit 5,000 in, hopefully. Now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, COVID's impacted so much, as, as we've just been talking about, and it, it, it's affected everyone's lives over the last two years. Hmm. Is that a a challenge now? Oh, look, COVID's been difficult for everyone, really, hasn't it? And it's no different. It's no different with junior sport. Uh, The kids have missed out on so much sport, uh, and the real little ones—they don't really understand why they can't play footy. Um, You know, it's there's been a lot more work as well involved to make sure you're compliant with COVID rules and regulations, and all that sort of. You know. QR codes for it and, and how do you police it? You can't stand there, it's an open field. So yeah, yeah, difficult indeed. Um but we've we've had a really good COVID officer and I'll just give her a mention, Lauren Buck, um, she's done a stellar job with our COVID plan. Even I think even the Parramatta Junior League said, Who did this for you? Can we can we take some stuff out of this? So um she's a school teacher and and obviously had one at school, so did a did us up a a, a marvelous COVID plan, and um, you know, if you follow it, it's okay. But yeah, difficult having the the sanitizer out on all the tables and things like that. But um, yeah, and trying to keep people apart. So yeah. yeah, Let's let's hope it's gone next year because it hasn't been great. No, no.
2: It's a it's a big if. But even if you do put COVID to the side somehow, because it's that mammoth, you know, monkey on everyone's back. Junior clubs yeah. still face significant challenges every year, be they financial or logistical. How do the Rouse Hill Rhinos meet those challenges every year, mate?
4: Oh, look, it, it's, you know, with we, volunteers, really. Um, if you don't have the volunteers to, to get through the challenging times, well, you know, your club's going to fall over fairly quickly. And, again, the committee do a great job uh, down to, you know, the people who volunteer at 7am to come and cut the bread rolls. You know, we order anywhere from... 300 to 800 bread rolls, depending how many home games we've got. They've all got to be cut. The grounds have to be set up, packed up, you know, all that sort of thing. So it's more, I suppose we just like to call on as many people as we can in the challenging times. Um, And, yeah, people are busy and not everyone can do it. But when you get desperate and you put a call out there, you get 30, 40 people up there pretty quickly, which, um, which, you know, it makes you feel good and really helps the club out. And, and that's a that's a real good, um, um, I suppose, indicator of, of how involved the community is. That you can get that sort yeah. of response. Yeah, that's and, right. And, and what about the financial side of it? How does how does that sort of come uh, all come together for you in any season? Well, well obviously our sponsors are massive, um, and I'll, I'll give some a, a quick mention. Um, and the Vineyard Hotel, who you know we don't have an affiliation with anymore, but. They were with us for 13 years and they've done, you know, given the club so much. Um, and then we've got the Australian Brewery uh, the last two years um, on Enningrove Road there at Rouse Hill. Um, tough times. No pubs and clubs are open, but, you know, they still help you out. We've got Empire Civil, um, who is another platinum sponsor. Um, Dave, he's a great bloke, but he's just a dad who's got a son in the under-15s. He owns his own company, but he just loves what the club stands for. He's told us that. Um, you know. And then you've got a number of gold sponsors who have been there since 07, like Acacia Transport. That's Angela and Rowena. Uh, Mick from SimTech. They're foundation sponsors from 07 and still putting money into the club. Rouse Hill Village. Um, Jack Yori. he loves what we do for junior footy. Um, he's been with us since 07 as well, and he doesn't have kids at the club, never has. Um, and then you've got some of our newer sponsors, effective building services. Uh, Brad's come from another district and because he's moved into the area and he can't do enough for us. He's on the committee now. Um, Hill Self Storage. Um, they've been great too. And then you've got, you know, you've also got some silver sponsors, bronze sponsors. Yeah, it's less money, but they're still putting into the club. Um and lots of businesses have obviously been doing it tough through COVID, but you know what? They're all still paying their invoice to the junior club, which we don't expect. We put an email out saying if you can't afford it, obviously we understand, but, you know, the money's still flowing in, Um so you can't ask for, for any more, and we want to thank them um, from the bottom of our heart for what they do for us. And, and of course, you, you've got uh, like all the other... Local junior clubs, the Parramatta Leagues Club, they have their annual grant as well. Yep, we get. Um, I think it's from New South Wales Rugby League um, that, that do that one. So yeah, we get. We obviously get help there, and they did the raffle this year. Um, so when we went out to to watch Jake uh, play against Manly, we we had the raffle going around for the car and that through Subaru. So. Um, you know, all that type of thing. Every every little cent that comes in is, is massive. And it all goes back to the kids. We try and give them as much as we can. Um, we just want to see the kids happy. It's not about us. It's not my club. It's not my committee's club. It's the kids' club. And we just, we just try and help it run smoothly so they can turn up and they don't have to worry about a thing. They just train, play, have some fun with their friends, make new friends and enjoy playing footy, which you know most of us have done since the same age as them, six or seven. So if there's anybody out there who'd like to get involved with the club, be it uh, playing, coaching, sponsoring, or helping out in some way, uh, how can they get in touch? Um, obviously through our website, or obviously Facebook is pretty big, and you can send a message through Facebook. Um, and I think Rowena's number's on the website and that, or you can send an email through. Um, but yeah, we're always looking for volunteers, committee members, coaches, trainers, managers, um, anyone who wants to help really. Um, you, you never knock back help. If you knock it back, they think you've got it covered. So, yeah, that's um, true. That's <laughs> true. Yep. If, if anyone says to me on a Saturday morning, do you want me to do that? I'm like, yep, you can go and do that. Mm-hmm. Cause if, you, if you knock them back, you never get them there again. Um, so you just find something for them to do. Um, and you know what? It is pretty good up there. It's um, always if people see that you have had a tough morning and you're struggling, all hands on deck, and, and we get it done. So it's 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 awesome. But yeah, they can get in contact through those avenues. Um, I'm happy to leave my number if <laughs> if if that's okay. But um, you can normally just do it through the website and Facebook,
2: which is good. To follow up on what Paul's saying, uh, the the rhinos are super easy to get in touch with. It's just rouse your rhinos dot com dot au, and on Facebook the uh the handle is Rouse Hill Rhinos. So that's Facebook.com forward slash Rouse Hill Rhinos. And I note Paul uh, that if you jump onto your website right now, there's actually a cool little link uh, with the code RHR for a chance to nab one of those or a chance you can go and buy one of those very uh, very cool pink jerseys. Uh,
4: yeah that's right. You can buy it Long online through yeah. Sonali So yeah.
2: Just yeah uh, that's pretty cool through the link forty dollars each and that's the uh, Rouse Hill Rhinos Pink Day Supporter Jersey. There's also some other cool swag there as well, some nice hoodies, jackets, beanies. So if yeah. you want to, want to support a local club, some um, great pickups there.
4: And all that money, if you do grab a pink jersey, that obviously goes to the charities, not to not to the Rouse or Rhinos. That would go to Breast Cancer and Headspace. So, um, yeah, get online and grab a jersey.
2: There you go. Thank you, Paul. We do love having a chat to anyone from the Parramatta District or Parramatta Junior Rugby League District. the The stories from every club are always so fun to listen to. There's so many great people involved, and it's it's just genuinely heartwarming to to see communities come together to help you know young kids enjoy rugby league. And the Rau Torinos are no exception to that rule. Uh,
4: thanks for having me, boys. Um, pleasure any time. Um, if you need anything, give us a bell. Um, if anyone's out there that Needs a hand in, in registering or anything? We've got our our registrar Rachel. She's um more than happy to help once they open up for next year. Um, so yeah, we don't we don't say no to anyone anyone that wants to be a Rhino. You're more than welcome.
2: Yep. So if you've, Thanks, got, a, you've got a young kid that wants to play footy, with the Rhinos, check out rousehillrhinos com or Facebook forward slash uh, Facebook forward slash rousehillrhinos. And yeah, don't, get them involved because rugby league is a fantastic game, and the Rouse Hill Rhinos are a terrific. Terrific ambassador for the game itself. And joining me once again back in the Discord after doing that interview by phone uh, is my good mate, 60s. Good to have you back in the Discord, champ.
0: Mate, the, the technology, isn't it fun? <laughs>
2: yeah, juggling all <laughs> those different uh, technological balls metaphorically. Um, but yeah, let's uh, bid farewell to Paul and I'm probably going to bid farewell to our listeners now because it's been another massive, massive podcast. We're closing in on an hour 40 again. But that's the nature of the beast when you're talking about, you know, three different junior representative teams. You've got the expert inside of Joey Grimer coming on, and then you have another fa- uh, fascinating Parramatta story with uh, Paul Footer of the Rouse Hill Rhinos coming on to walk us through one of the, you know, real upstart powerhouses in the Parramatta Junior District.
0: Oh, look, it's amazing. And when you see the, the names that are listed there in the uh, Eels junior rep teams and development squads, and you see the clubs, alongside it and uh, when you have the, the likes of, of Wente and um, Cabramatta and those sorts of clubs and now you see Rouse Hill with just as many young players that are making that step from their junior club up to the uh, Eels junior representative pathways it's it's a fantastic achievement for such a young club
2: Exactly mate, um, I don't know if you've got anything you want to sign off on before we do get to our closeout. I know it's been a Another week without Parramatta football, which sucks, but the preseason is just around the corner. And like I said, the the junior news is starting to crank up because we had the district reps or the junior reps come out this week. Looking forward to the jersey flag being announced maybe tomorrow, if not next week, which will be another whole other podcast in and of itself because we do love the 21s. Um, but yeah, I don't know what's on your mind before we finish up, mate.
0: Mate, only that before we know it, it will be the pre-season. I think they're going to be about another well, given that it's we're approaching two weeks since the Eels finished, so it'll be a, about seven weeks' time and the pre-season will be underway. And um, then, of course, the junior rep season will be upon us. Not long after that, uh, there's no off-season. There's no.
2: The, we, we have a double NRLW season as well in 2022 with the 2021 season that was postponed to be played early next year, followed up by the actual 2022 season. So the, the football does not stop. So I look forward to that. As always, thanks for stopping by and listening. It means the world to us that, you know, our little slice of the internet, our little corner of the, the world wide web has such passionate fans. Um, this is a blast to do this, you know, every week or even a couple times a week because there's that much content when it comes to the Parramatta Reels. But
0: Mate, I've been, I've been looking for the right words to try to express my gratitude and as we said at the start of the podcast, Peter Volandi's come up with his <laughs> ultimate word to express gratitude, to yeah. express anything in rugby league. It's Oshay Olay. So um, to everyone out there, Oshay Olay, and you know what I mean.
2: Uh, it feels like it's going to be from the uh, Sacha Baron Cohen's The Dictator with Aladdin, where it's just a, a word that you can use for everything. So, yeah, indeed, Oshay Olay to everyone that's listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode.